welcome to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline Podcast. My name is Neil, and I'm here and with... And I'm Matt. <laughs> oh, man. So we've had a little bit of a break. Uh, life has gotten complex. I know I've gotten a lot more counselees recently and among other things going on. I know your your life has been getting really complicated as well. Y'all were on vacation, is that right? Yep. Yeah, we took a spring break for a little staycation, took a couple of day trips here and there, but um, man, it was it was good for the soul. We we took to heart the whole burnout podcast and put <laughs> it into right. action. That's right. Yeah, and we we were on vacation too. We took our family up to Tulsa, Oklahoma for the wrestling championship. So same thing, man. We're going to get some rest, some renewal, some family time. Um, but one of the things that I find interesting on a vacation is uh, how you have to fight uh, to take your family to worship, especially when you're at a different location, right? So when you're in a different state or a different city, right? It's like looking for a church in that city, taking your kids there or whatever, if you're able uh, or doing family worship, praying together, or doing your own, you know, quiet time, devotional time. Um, a lot of people go on vacation and almost like un- uh, unplug for from everything, right? And I don't, I don't feel like when we do that, we actually get rest. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think, I think we have a really truncated view of rest, and so when we think about rest. I have to think also of a rejuvenation or a revival of my own heart. Yeah. When I feel most refreshed after a vacation is when I have times of solitude and study. And so for me, not having deadlines to meet rest means I get to study what I want to study when I want to study it and spend some time doing it. And I feel better uh, even if I wake up a little early to do that on my vacation. Yeah. Uh, so I think when we think about rest, what is restful for our soul is more than just sleep or a lack of activity, but maybe even replacing your common activities with an uncommon activity. Yeah, I love that you went there because the Lord and his goodness um, has laid out what kind of rest rhythms and patterns we need to accomplish and really kind of focuses it around how we worship him. That when we worship him, uh, he gives rest and renewal to the weary souls that we have, right? On the seventh day, the Lord rested to give an example for his children, what their rhythms and patterns needed to be. We see in Hebrews um, how we enter the rest of God through the work of the son. Um, And and I love that idea because today we want to actually talk about worship and how when we do it in a manner that is uh, maybe not treating God as if he was holy or if uh, it's it's about it's ultimately about us versus him, how that even has consequences on the rest that we are meant to get as a result of right heart worship, <laughs> because uh, when we don't have a right heart worship of God, of course there would be tension in us, right? Of course there would be consequence. You know, the Lord says he will have no other gods before him. And so why wouldn't we be weary as a result of wrongful worship? Go ahead. I was thinking about this. Why Why do I 
respond negatively to when someone says self-care. Mm. Um, and I was just contemplating that, wrestling with that. And, and I think it's because there's a difference between self-care and soul care. Yeah. Right. And so my personal soul care means more than just unplugging and getting away from my responsibilities and duties, uh, but it's instead Begging. pressing it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Bedging, uh, you know, scrolling because I'm not feeding my soul in those moments. I'm, I'm not worshiping, which is the topic of this podcast, right? Well, we are worshiping, but in those moments of quote unquote self-care, we're worshiping us. That's right. Yeah, it's it's selfish. It's selfish care. That's right. And so, so yeah, I, I was just really wrestling with that thought. I, and I know the, a lot of people in the world don't mean that. And, and, I, and I get, you know, semantics. But just for me personally, the reason I respond so negatively to the, the language of self-care is because I think it's inherently selfish. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why the word self is there. But when you think about it in terms of soul care, uh, the reason I have to pull away and have times of solitude is not to shirk my duties. I mean, we see Jesus giving yeah, us this all, example all throughout Luke. And why did he pull away? It was to pray. It yeah. was to spend time with the father. And so, uh, you know, as a pastor, I need time of soul care. Uh, and so that distinction has just been really helpful for me as I've been thinking through yeah. what does it mean? Um, Cause because there is a need for us to have time to refresh and to rejuvenate and, and be reset. Uh, and so the way we do it is very important. And, and I think that brings us to worship, Neil. Yeah. Uh, it's so hard to worship when we are on vacation sometimes because the schedule is messed up. We're not used to our rhythms um, and also just the ambiguity of other things and so yeah when we consider this whole thing of worship neil i think uh, we've we've talked about it but there's probably three spheres of worship um that we can consider and so we have the personal worship or the private worship we have family worship and we have corporate worship that's right uh, and each th each of those kind of have distinct um attributes or characteristics and uh, so I, I think we should start probably with corporate worship. So when we say corporate worship, Neil, what are we uh, what, what are we talking about? Yeah, Lord's Day, uh, the assembling of believers in order to uh, worship our God, and we do that in particular ways uh, that the Scriptures have regulated for us. Right. So we we hear the gospel proclaimed. We preach through the the whole counsel of God's word. We pray. God's word, really corporate worship is centered and all of our worship should be centered around God's word, which we'll go to in a second. But in corporate, we're talking about all the saints assembling together to lift our voices, to praise him, for he is the focus and object of our worship, uh, where we hear his word proclaimed to us, where we begin to uh, discern how to um respond in obedience to the word that he has been that has been proclaimed to us from god's word uh, we pray we respond in prayer we see the administration of the ordinances done faithfully and biblically um and we and we spend time together as the body of christ uh in community with one another uh corporately as well that is another response of obedience uh, and and faithfulness so Corporate worship centers around what we do collectively as the people of God. 
in whatever local uh, assembly you're a part of or local church you're a part of. Yeah, and, and I think it's it's formative. It forms us in many ways, and it's also expressive. Yeah. Right. So so we as believers express the delight that we have in Christ together. Uh, and at the same time, we're being formed by Christ in us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And so the, the word proclaimed in community uh, is very powerful. Uh, oh, yeah. There's you know so many interesting studies done on the effect of uh, preaching to a crowd or more than one person versus, you know, listening to it over the radio or, or seeing it on, on, a, on TV, but actually being with other believers um, is, is so interesting and it's always fun, man. Um, so I hate, I don't want to say that funerals are fun, but a lot of times it's interesting to me that when a gathering of people who do not necessarily all belong to the same church, where what resonates most with a lot of them is when we talk about Christ and we have this shared love for Jesus. And when we come together, there's there's a bond that's formed that wouldn't be formed any other way um, because we're in different social groups, we're in different um, age brackets and, and everything else in communities. And so when the gospel is preached in a com- when and there's a gathering of people, it's just an amazing, um, a, an amazing reality. And so worship forms us but it's also an opportunity for us to express our thanksgiving um, to confess our sins together to one another to sing songs and spiritual uh hymns yeah our affections and, become stirred up for the lord uh, yeah you know where, where it's meant right. to be it's yeah where... it, it's exactly it's kind of like how your children like the same sports team that you like that's right right you know, so your affection for some hobby, your affection for something excites desire in them to like that and want that same thing, yep. right? And, and we do that when we corporately worship. We say, this is important. We love our Lord. We love Jesus, and we want to express it. And that, in turn, forms us into, into worshipers. Yeah. Uh, and well, so that's let, me, let me shift gears in. Um, do you think do you think God only cares what our that our affections are stirred up or do you think he wants us to worship in particular ways? I think the easy answer is yes, particular yes. ways uh, right because the Lord is holy mm-hmm. um, the Lord has prescribed the worship that pleases him. That's right, right. So yeah. so we puny human beings do not have a right to make up what we think pleases God. Mm. God is very clear in how he wants to be worshiped in scripture. And so for us we do not have the prerogative to get creative beyond the bounds that he has given us. Mm. Uh, and and we see some startling warnings uh in scripture where people have maybe misunderstood or could not fully grasp this reality yeah yeah one of those examples that strikes me is in numbers three um you know as the lord is establishing these tribes and give you know (laughs) telling them uh 
what what he wants of them uh, specifically. He's also establishing like the Levitical tribe that's coming from Aaron's sons, right? And this is meant to be a priestly one. They're supposed to worship and lead the worship of God's people. And God says, this is how I want you to do it. But then we see in Numbers 3, verse 4, uh, about Aaron's sons. But Nadab and Abihu died in the Lord's presence when they presented unauthorized fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai, and they had no sons. So, you know, it, it's this very obscure kind of separated, you know, thing. But what has happened is really um, impactful for how we understand um, the ways that God particularly wants to be worshipped, right? So he tells them how how he wants uh, burnt sacrifices to be done, how to, what clothes to wear to what, whatever with, with this tribe. And what uh, Nadab and Abihu do is they go against God's order and his regulations for worshiping him. And they offer unauthorized fire strange fire and in that offering it was displeasing to the lord and the result and the consequence was because they did not treat god as holy and as sovereign over the manner which he does he does deserves to be worshiped they died <laughs> and uh man moses and aaron had a long conversation after that but but one of those one of what this tells us is that God is holy and desires to be worshiped in particular ways that we should not neglect. And so we call that the regulative principle. I said that word very slowly. I don't know why. <laughs> regulative principle um, that the scriptures regulate the manner and means of which we worship the Lord because we want to treat him uh, according to his character and worship him in truth and in spirit so why is, is the also, whole spirit... which is also why i uh baptized by immersion that's I right the regulative principle that's exactly right so why is spirit and truth matt why is that so important that we have that balance yeah so you know our affections can be can be lifted up for any number of ways and reasons i mean even in modern worship style songs they can hit the right note to kind of raise your emotions um, and, and produce emotionalism. Um, that's why we have light shows and fog machines. And, um, you know, some people get the same experience by going to, I don't know, a Taylor Swift concert as they do to some worship services, right? Yeah. That's like not worshiping. Church. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No. We're, we're really, we're really rocking it these days. Um, <laughs> But yeah, but this the spirit and truth. So just because we're moved in our emotions or in our in our soul does not necessarily mean we're being moved of the Holy Spirit. That's um, right. But we want to be moved by the truth. And so it's the truth, the the truth of the words that are being sung, the truth of the preaching being preached that should affect us uh emotionally. So our emotional response is a result of truth and, and that's and and we don't determine truth based on our emotional response either that's right um uh, neil another aspect i really wanted to, to draw out um uh, before if before you move away from congregation 
yeah. uh, is in the New Testament, the church is often referred to as the bride of Christ. That's right. And and if the church is the bride of Christ, the Lord dictates how he wants his bride to look. And there's some very clear instructions as to purging um, the church from the evildoer for church discipline, um, but with the goal of having a people who are pursuing holiness who and who love him. Uh, and so, so when we think about the church, we're not allowed to tamper with her. We can't, um, as, as Paul Washer says, make her a painted lady and parade her about for carnal men. Um, we're not allowed to tamper uh, with, with the bride of Christ. And so we have very clear instructions in scripture as to how church should go. And there's some beautiful variants that's permitted and, and that we see, right? There's no five songs and a poem requirement or anything like yeah. that. Or um, how many chairs. That's right. Or yeah, <laughs> chairs or pews or, or yeah. drums or no drums. Um, and, and we even see the beauty of multicultural worship services. I mean, if yeah. you go to Africa, you will have lots of singing and praising the Lord, and it may be several hours worth of, of worship. Whereas you come to the United States, you have an hour, and you better be done because we got to beat the Methodist to the the buffet, yeah, right? or the and barbecue so, restaurant, or the barbecue. That's if right, you're in Texas, where you are. If you're in <laughs> Texas, that's right. I think Tex-Mex. Uh, yeah. Anyways, so yeah, so so there's this this requirement of us that we worship in spirit and truth. Yes. Um, and, and I also think we don't want to have dead orthodoxy either, mm -hmm. right? We don't want to be not stirred up by the truth. The truth should not become boring to us. Yeah. Uh, so and having real quick, Matt, when you say orthodoxy, you mean historic Christian faith, how we view uh, what we believe doctrine, right? Yeah. So the ordinary say, means of grace. That's right. So when you say we don't want to have dead orthodoxy, you mean. We don't want to have dead doctrine. Our doctrine should produce in us, or our orthodoxy should produce orthopraxy or devotion, like how we live these things out. How yeah, we, we should worship. have joy, joy that we That's can right. gather, right? The the means of grace, um, you know, they're so ordinary, right? But they're extraordinary. And, right. and we should never take the Lord's Supper in a lackadaisical manner. Uh, we should you know, stir our affections up to, to who our Lord is. Uh, it should not become rote. Uh, and, and I think a lot of that is because there's a lot of prayerlessness that happens. Um, you know, we, we don't prepare our hearts for the gathering. Um, I don't know about you, but those of you with big families, right. You're, you're fighting to get the family out of the, out the door and into the vehicle. You're, and you're trying to get to church. <laughs> try to get to, and once you get into church and you get the kids tucked into where they got to go or to get them in their seats and get them their activities or whatever it is that you have at your place, you sit down and you're just like, I'm so tired. I don't even have time to think. Yeah. And then you realize, oh man, we, you know, so-and-so left a shoe or, or any number of things. Right. So it's, it's very easy for us to be lulled into complacency um, either through um, circumstances or family. And so it's just one of those things that we want to, to cultivate in our lives is a, a sense of the joy of worship. Um, and, and, and that's kind of my spiel on corporate worship. Right. So, so that kind of brings that to an end on corporate. Um, 
And I think it's probably a good place. Maybe we can do a couple more episodes. We'll do another one on family and then private, which I think would be really helpful. Um, but remember that all of these things, whatever sphere of worship we're operating in, man, we need to do it. We need to accomplish it uh, in spirit and in truth. Um, we cannot separate ourselves and just go by our feelings because how fickle are our feelings, right? Uh, and and I hear this often in the counseling room. I don't know about you, Matt. I'm sure you can relate. But man, I hear things like, man, I just don't feel like God is listening to my prayers or that he's present in my life or he's even at work or is he even real? You know, and and oftentimes, why is that? Well, because our feelings are not, should have to be anchored into truth so that we can see clearly of our circumstances or whatever circumstance we may be in. One of the things that uh, I term it, I say a lot of people have added a six sola to the yeah. five solas of the Reformation. Feeling uh, sola feels. Yeah. Right. And so my sola feels or sola feels a maybe uh, yeah. to add an A at the end of it. But sola feels um, has supplanted all the other solas in right. this in a person's life. Right. And so it, be, it, it becomes a functional God. And yeah. so just because I don't feel a certain way means I'm not worshiping or just because I don't feel loved doesn't mean I'm not being loved. Right. right. And so that rules how I act towards other people. It rules how I act towards God. Um, and I, I like how the Puritans captured it. I knew I couldn't get past the podcast without mentioning the Puritans. Um, but I think it was William Cooper. He, he said, behind a frowning providence uh, lies a smiling face. And, and what he was indicating is just because a cloud goes in front of the sun, doesn't mean the sun is gone That's right? right just because our circumstances are hard or we're suffering it doesn't mean that god doesn't love us yeah behind it is a smiling face and and so when we worship um we're not talking about an upbeat always joyful jumping around sometimes um, your worship sounds like a lament that's right. Yeah, we worship in tears. Uh, in fact, you know, Job gives us a, a really clear pattern. What does right. what does he say? Um, after all of these things, he was afflicted. He hit his knees. He put on sackcloth and ashes, and he said, "The Lord gives, and takes the Lord away. takes away." Blessed be the blessed name of the Lord. be the name of the Lord. Yeah, it says it says Job worshipped. That's right. And so, in, in our suffering, we worship. In our good times, we worship. Um, it should be an expression of joy that comes out of us, and it should be an expression of lament that comes out of us. Yeah. Yeah. So affections should be anchored to truth. And that's the that's the thing that we're trying to convey as clear as we can. Uh, so that that also goes for, you know, your local church. We want to stir up the affections of the saints uh, for the Lord. And in order to do that in a pleasing way, we have to be anchored to truth. So anchor yourself to truth today, friends, and let your affections flow up out of that, that, that good river of life, uh, in the Lord. Uh, so we thank you for listening to another episode of the gospel lifeline podcast until next time we out.